Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, we got a work cut out for us today. We're continuing from where we left off. We are officially less than one week away from the season opener on Thanksgiving Eve. On Tuesday, last time out, we previewed Villanova's non-conference schedule and then a few Big East teams. We decided that we're going to start from the preseason Big East polls and then work our way from the bottom up. So if you want any of our non-conference previews, we took a little dive into the 2K Classic, some Big Five games, Texas, Virginia, and then a couple of the Big East teams, specifically Georgetown, DePaul, and St. John's. Please listen to Tuesday's episode. First, huge congratulations to Sadiq Bey for being drafted 19th overall and ultimately ending up with the Detroit Pistons. A little bit of a musical chairs around there, but we're very excited for Sadiq. NBA dream. It's got to be a big night for him. For sure, and it looked like for a little bit, anyway, that he could have been playing alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Eugene, as a Closet Nets fan, (laughs) I was so hyped for just about one minute. Then I saw the two tweets from the two NBA insiders that said he was being traded to the Clippers and then being traded to Detroit, and I got sad. But, hey, I'm real happy for the guy to see him rise through the ranks like this, end up as a top 20 pick going to Detroit where they're in a little bit of a rebuilding phase. They do have Blake Griffin, even though he might not be the same Blake Griffin of old, but hey, you'll probably get plenty of opportunity out there. I will say he definitely went a tad later than I thought he would. And I was also kind of hoping for a better situation, but it is what it is. I mean, he's in the NBA. Yeah. Speaking to the situations, I really wanted to see him in Boston at 14. I thought that's where, you know, I thought that would have been a great fit. The Spurs at 11 would have been cool too. Like, because, I mean, all the mock drafts kind of had him in that range. And then he just kept dropping a bit. And, you know, probably for the better, because some of those teams picking from 15 to 18, you know, probably best you avoid him situationally. But Detroit did pick at 16. They did pick uh, Stewart out of Washington. So, now you got a nice little front court now with uh, two young prospects that uh, you picked in the first round. Hopefully he can make the most out of his time there in Detroit. Not what I expected at all. I'm sure it's not what anybody expected. I mean, you're a couple more picks away from the Sixers falling into their laps, but, you know, who knows if the Sixers were actually going to do it. And yeah, then... I, I severely doubt it. And then you would have been waiting for the Knicks to pick him at 23 then, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point, at this point, I know he went to the Pistons. 
I'd rather him come to the Knicks at this point. I feel like Detroit is so <laughs> random right now. I'd rather him come to the Knicks. Join Obi Toppin. It is. It is. Them and the Grizzlies, probably like two of the most non-random yeah. teams. <laughs> See, at least like the Knicks, they might not be good, but they're not random. Though they're at least relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and <laughs> for all the wrong reasons, but they're oh relevant. yeah, infamous, infamous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Detroit does have a little bit of a long ways. They did pick up that 16th pick because they took on Trevor Ariza's contract from Portland. Yep. But, like, outside of that, their starting lineup isn't exactly yeah, the best. There's a little bit of a process going on over there. <laughs> yeah, but, hey, you know, so he got drafted. He's going to get the bag. Yep. Got to make a- the most of it. Yep. Can't, and- can't ask for more. Not only that, this is the fourth straight year where Villanova's had a player selected in the draft. We had Hart in 2017. In 2018, we had the quartet of Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Dante DiVincenzo, Marsh Bellman. That was a fun time. And then you had Eric Pascal last year going to the Warriors, and now this year you have Bay making it. That's four straight years, Chris. I think it's time to change that narrative, and I think people need to start looking and say, Villanova can send people to the NBA. That whole thing where it's not a NBA factory talk that needs to go out the window. I think we're, I think Jay Wright's changing that narrative, and I think we're seeing it in the draft results these last few years. Certainly, it certainly has. The narrative kind of has switched now, though. <laughs> Don't mean to be negative here, but it's kind of switched to well, the guys that Villanova are producing, they're getting drafted, but now they're not producing as well. And it's like, come on, like haters gonna hate, haters gonna hate. Come on, guys. Like, Josh Hart's perfectly fine. Like, Jalen Brunson's a good role player. Dante has all the potential in the world still. The Bucks love him, even though they kind of traded him to Sacramento, and then they didn't. So, I mean, there's Eric played pretty well last year and was in the Very rookie well of the year conversation, yep. like, for most of the year. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, not every guy you produce is going to be, you know, top five NBA player. Like, those are very rare. Yeah, and Mikhail Bridges, lockdown guy. I mean, we saw what he did in the bubble against guys like Luca and Kawhi. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. and there's still plenty of time for these guys to develop. And Kyle Lowry is the ultimate definition of a late bloomer, and he's a Villanova guy. So let's, let's yeah, all calm down. All-star, champ. Yeah, it worked really. out. So maybe, I don't know, sorry that like some guys, they go in and they're ultimate stars, but maybe the Villanova guys take a little bit to progress and need the right situation. I don't know. And also, you talk to the recruits, like just from speaking to a couple of the 2021 guys like Trey Patterson and Nana Joku. I'm looking forward to being pushed, honestly. I know that they produce NBA players. They get guys where they need to be. And that's what I just can't wait for. I know it's going to be hard, but... The end of the day, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna become the best player that I can be. They're taking, they're doing their homework. They're like, I like what Jay's doing. He can get guys to the league, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes. You know, however he wants to shape my game or rebuild me, I'm all for it because they get the job done. And I'm like, if the recruits are noticing this, the people gotta open their eyes. Hopefully, we'll get there. But either way, well done, great job for Shadiq Bay. Would love to see him in the blue and white for one more season, but anytime you can acquire currency and make your dream come true, that's amazing. You can't hate on that. That's just amazing. Especially during these times. You got to go do it. Yeah. So we are now pro Detroit Pistons. All right, Chris, now it's time to move on to the business. It's what we are here for. To finish off the second half of our preview series, less than one week away, we're going to resume from where we left off with a look at the Butler Bulldogs. They were projected eighth in this year's preseason poll a couple of guys gone but Chris do you remember when they were number five in the country last year no and I think when they were five we completely ignored it because I remember talking about 
or at least one of the questions that was asked and we talked about it was the fact that, oh, who's Villanova's biggest challenger? I think you said Creighton. I think I said Seton Hall. And Butler was casually ranked number five at the time. We just completely ignored it. So, no, I, I do not remember this at all. Uh, well, on the bright side, you know, we ended up right. I mean, they still finished in the top 25 when it was all said and done. But at the end of the day, we ended up splitting the Big East regular season title with Creighton and Seton Hall. So I guess it worked out. But Butler, they, we split the series with them last year. I remember at the Finn, we had that tough defensive effort. and We were able to lock them down and win kind of comfortably. Then when the series went over to the Hinkle Fieldhouse, that's when uh, some hijinks happened. Some magic. Mm-hmm. Some Hinkle magic happened. Some leaky and- roofs as well. Oh, yeah, leaky roofs as well. It was like we were right back at the old pavilion before it got <laughs> renovated. Oh, wow. You know, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, there was that, like, yeah. little delay. Yeah, I remember that more than the uh, the Nova Butler game at Nova. So, you know, <laughs> uh, weird, weird things like that stick out sometimes. See, I don't remember that, but I remember the tragic ending. Well, I shouldn't say it was tragic. I mean, Kamar Baldwin hit that sick buzzer beater, and I only it say was it was sick. sick. It, yeah, it was like from a basketball was... standpoint, you just had to respect it. Like, I remember we weren't even mad. We weren't even sad. We were just nope. shocked and impressed. I think that was, like, really the, the overall mood after that. Yeah, you had a big Nova comeback to tie that up late, and it looked like they were completely down and out in the last couple of minutes. And then then Baldwin just steps back and, and hits that shot. And of, like, the big four seniors, like, rival seniors, like, between Diallo, Powell, Howard, and Baldwin, we Kamar Baldwin was probably both our favorites, like, head and shoulders above everybody else. So... You know, it, it was sad that he beat Nova with that shot, but at the same time, we were like, eh, if, if it was anybody, we're glad it's him. Like you said, it did seem like Nova was down and out, but then they came back. I remember Sadiq Bey and Colin Gillespie went off that game. Like, they were the only ones. They are pretty much keeping us alive there, keeping us afloat. And then we come back, and it's like, all of a sudden, you think we have this chance, and then Kamar Baldwin just shut the door with that buzzer beater. Fortunately, he's no longer around. And Sean McDermott is also gone. Just between those two guys, I mean, that's almost 30 points per game gone off the roster due to graduation. Chris, who's back? Who should we watch out for? Bryce Henze would be the one for me, really. He's a senior forward. He was a big problem for the Cats last year. He had a double-double at Nova, and he also dropped 12 at Hinkle. We always highlighted him. We're like, this guy's going to be a problem. Probably should box him out. Should probably uh, play some inside defense. And even when they tried, it was just not working out really well. Uh, junior forward Bryce Golden also returns. Not as big of a name as Bryce Enzi, but he did have a field day against Nova at Hinkle during that game. Where he dropped 18. Where it was kind of like an unsung performance for, for the Bulldogs there. And between those two, I mean, those are some two big guys that you know underneath. It, it's not it's not exactly going to replace the card play from Baldwin, but uh, those are two solid pieces underneath. Yeah, I'd say that those are definitely some of their key returners. It's tough because Butler right now, they're kind of in, I don't want to say rebuilding phase because they're definitely, you know, once this game heads over to the Hinkle Fieldhouse, that's it. Like, you know, they're going to, they could they could put out like your local community college team and they'll give us a game. Like, they're, you know, they'll, they'll eat their Wheaties that night. The, oh, yeah. yeah, they're, they're going to give us a hard time. But a lot of new pieces on this team, and it, it sounds like it's going to take some time. Five new freshmen, they were all rated three-star guys, but guards like Chuck Harris and Miles Tate they were on the better end of the spectrum same for Jacoby Coles those guys were ranked four star but then I don't know what happened they I guess they they lost a star at some point between quarantine and now so I don't know what they did to warrant that they do get two key transfers Bo Hodges out of East Tennessee State I don't believe he's going to be eligible but we're gonna have to double check that because I know the NCAA is just handing out eligibility waivers to everybody Mm -hmm. like it's like it's candy on Halloween 
And then this, Chris, is a little blast from the past for us. Jair Bolden, former South Carolina guard, but before that, he was playing at West Town with Mo Bamba, Cam Reddish, and all those guys on that little high school super team they had going there. Oh my God, I was I was gonna say that that name does sound familiar. Yeah, he, I know, right? Was he the all, point guard? Was he, he the point was, guard? He was the point guard. He uh-huh. all grown up now. All grown up now. Wow, good Grand for him. Transfer, yeah. He, did he start out at South Carolina? No. Did he go to George Washington first? Yeah, he went to GW, and then I think he transferred after a year or maybe two, and then he went to South Carolina, and then now he there he is back back He's in Butler. Found his way. Yeah. Full circle, well, not full circle, full circle in our lives. Now he's at yeah. Butler and, and talking about him again. Wow. Good for him. Glad to see him back. Chris, plenty of new pieces. I know that game at Butler is always a little tricky, but how do you see this season series rolling out? Yeah, between Butler being pretty undermanned in the grand scheme of things, losing Baldwin, losing McDermott, a lot of new pieces coming in in a shortened season. We'll see how it kind of plays out if they're able to gel as quickly as they should. If there ever was a time for Villanova to go in there and beat them down, this would be the year. And I I think they do do that. I think they sweep. Yeah, I think Nova should sweep this one too. I just wouldn't be surprised if that one at Indianapolis, that meeting at Hinkle is is a little tighter than we would have liked. But I think Nova should win both fairly comfortably this year. Now after Butler, we're going to stay in the Midwest. We're going to head over to Cincy where we're going to, Pay a little look, pay a little visit over to the Xavier Musketeers. Coming off a 19-13 and 13 year, I want to say, didn't they start off the year pretty strong and then they just kind of, I don't know, lost lost a little, ran out of gas, ran out of momentum? Yeah, they, they really did. And I think that was kind of spurned on. Wasn't there like some kind of like, not scandal, but like a little bit of like some unsettledness amongst the team about some people leaving early and whatnot? Najee Marshall put on – an Instagram story saying that he was leaving or whatever, but yeah, uh, it was like earlier than he was supposed to reveal that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Not, not good optics there. It's like the Odell boat, a boat picture. You just, you don't want that. So <laughs> between that and then they faded that. Yeah. They did fade this down the stretch big time, finished with an eight and 10 conference record. And they capped off the year with a loss to the Paul in the big East tournament before COVID hit. So yeah, they did not finish strong whatsoever. And it's kind of led into some, uncertain times there and in the Cincinnati Metroplex. Yeah, they lost Tyree Jones. They lost Quinn Gooden. No more Najee Marshall. He did end up leaving after he denied it at first and uh, ended up going pro. They still have Paul Scruggs, senior, averaged about 12.7 games per game last year. But what really stood out to me was their young talent, like Zach Fremantle. He was a pretty promising guy coming in as a freshman. Yep. And then Kiki Tandy as well. He started to get some burn as the season went on. To me, I think they're going to be the key guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those you're going to look for big-time steps in their game from Fremantle and Tandy as sophomores. And then hopefully you can get the senior leadership and, and Scruggs to kind of pick, make up some some form of the scoring and the toughness that Jones and Gooden and Marshall uh, left. And the thing is, like, we kind of touted this team last year. Like, oh, yeah, they got a big four between Marshall, Jones, Gooden, and Scruggs. Now three of those guys are gone all within one year. Scruggs as a guard, it's be tough for him them to make up everything. But he can do it. He's a pretty, he's a pretty good player. But the problem is with Xavier, and we mentioned this several times last year, and it was a big narrative game in and game out, they cannot, cannot shoot threes at all. I don't think – wasn't there the game like on New Year's Eve this past, against Nova? Didn't they like not make one until like the last 
like shot of the game and it didn't matter. It was like garbage time or something like that. Something, yeah, something weird. Yeah, I think it wasn't until like the closing minutes of the second half that they finally drained a three. It, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was New Year's Eve, but I do remember it was around like the holiday time and it was at right. the pavilion. But yeah, yeah, that was a that was a wild game. Nova was winning comfortably, and all of a sudden Xavier kind of stormed back in, but we ended up pulling away at the end there. Yes, they did, and I believe Nova didn't cover the spread, if I remember correctly. Check, checking that game in the car was not fun. Enough about my betting habits. Yeah, between Scruggs, though, and Fremantle, they can both shoot threes. I mean, their percentages weren't awful last year. Fremantle's better than Scruggs, but they're going to have to take like some big leaps and bounds to kind of correct that percentage, because it, it was awful. They struggled big time with shooting and with scoring, but they were just so tough that they made up for it, especially on the defensive end and on the glass with some of those enforcers or some of those big bodies in the paint kind of gone, or, you know, those physical forwards or guys that can get inside. I don't know if they can still carry on with that identity. They do bring in some four-star talent, solid freshman class. There was just a period over last summer where they were just getting commits. Could be better down the line, but I think that this is just another team that, you know, it's kind of turning over. A lot of new talent to break in. Some guys who are young are st- going to have to step into much bigger roles. And it's just going to be kind of one of those transitional years. But I wouldn't be surprised if they they maintain that toughness and they just jockey outside of the, the top four or top five in the Big East. Probably middle of the pack, a strong middle of the pack team. Yeah, possibly. It, it, Xavier's a weird team like that. It, when you expect them to do bad, they do good. And when you expect them to do good, they do bad. So maybe seventh. It's probably a blessing in disguise for them. So what, how do you think this season series unfolds, Chris? Split, sweep either way? What, what are we looking at? Uh, I'll take it as a sweep. I'll take another sweep here. Yeah, I'm going to take another the, sweep. The no, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. The no fans in Xavier is just – that would be pretty – I'm going to say easy to go in there, but it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I think Nova should sweep Xavier too. I will say shout-out to Blue Blob, my favorite mascot. That's, that, that's the king right there. I hope he doesn't have COVID. <laughs> Protect him at all costs. At all costs. At all costs. Moving up the ladder, we now have the Marquette Golden Eagles, which is probably the first time in a while that we're seeing them kind of in the middle of the pack. I mean, last year when the Hauser brothers transferred out and then they had some other guys leave, that was when, like, oh, okay, Marquette's going to take a hit this year. But now when you don't have Marcus Howard, you know, that guy who's just a scoring machine, a bucket machine, a bucket getter, I don't know. Might be might be worse than six coming in, but you know I'm not I'm not a guy I'm not a coach so I don't get to vote. My vote doesn't <laughs> matter. Yeah, I mean, what what more can be said about Marcus Howard at this point? Like all time, like Biggie's type player, averaged about twenty eight points per game. His insane range is gone. His video game like box scores are gone. It's it's gonna be tough to pre- replace that production. I don't think you can, or you're either gonna or come close to it. But to me, I, I think probably just as big as a departure is Sakar Anum. He was a very solid player for Marquette for the past four years. He always gave Nova problems. He was a physical guy, averaged about 13 points a game, grabbed about four boards. He could do it all. He was he played a really solid role for Marquette. For I was a while. I was gonna say I know you hate this term, but he was literally a glue guy. Yeah, I know you I, hate this. I term, know. I, yeah. I t- <laughs> I, I danced around it as much as I could. I was like, oh, Chris, you're, you're describing it. Just say it already. Just please just uh, say it. I know. Guy. <laughs> I know. I hate it. I hate it, but that's – if there ever was one. If, if you really want to annoy Chris, you just talk about uh, sports cliches. So, you know, you get you get your classic ones like glue guy, first one in, last one out. 
grit. Sneaky athletic grit. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris loves all these uh, analyst sports cliches. I I love them. It really fuels uh, fuels the fire. And hey, and you know what? I've definitely used them over the past few years. And uh, shame on me. But <laughs> that's why I didn't say anything. But yeah, Sakar Anum leaving, Marcus Howard leaving, Brendan Bailey also left. He was kind of like a middle of the rotation guy. Middle of the rotation, what am I? What is it, baseball? Uh, <laughs> he was part of the rotation, started a few games. He was a fine player, but he left to go pro. And, you know, that's like Samaje Christian leaving early. That, that's the kind of classification I put it at, you know? Go make that money. Who cares? Uh, so between those three guys leaving, you lost a lot, but they're also bringing in a lot. Darson Garcia and Justin Lewis as part of this big-time recruiting class for Marquette. Darson Garcia, according to ESPN, was number 49 overall. Justin Lewis was number 71. Both forwards, both four-star forwards, and they're looking for immediate impacts from them. And they also brought in DJ Carton. They transfer from Ohio State, who Villanova friends should remember, as he was part of that Ohio State game last year in which Villanova went out to Ohio State and got absolutely destroyed. In that game, DJ Carton put up 11 points. He was also a big-time recruit coming out of high school, I believe. And the NCAA granted him an immediate eligibility waiver, needed a fresh start, and he's getting that at Marquette and in Wojo's offense. Yeah, just going back to Brendan Bailey, his story was a little interesting because he actually delayed his college admission by two years to go on a mission trip. So even though he's leaving early, I think he's probably about that age where it's like, you know, if if I graduate at 23, if you stick around or 24. Right. So I guess he really didn't have a choice. I mean, like you said, Chris, got to go make that bread. Bills yeah. to pay, more, COVID times. COVID more times. power to him, honestly. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Going on a mission trip, balling out to a degree, and then, you know, now he's going pro. Marquette's interesting because it sounds like a lot of the guys who were quote-unquote role players are going to now have to be the, the key staples. Oh, yeah, for sure. Between Kobe McEwen returning, averaged about nine and a half points per game. You got Theo John, who's the human – incarnation of a hammerhead shark you got junior greg elliott who's also like i, I think can kind of turn into that sakar anim type player at least that's kind of how marquette feels about him you know got senior jamal kane back as well so you have solid players it's just they they're gonna have to take some big big steps forward along with the freshman coming in and helping immediately dj carton coming in and helping immediately and, you know, Wojo has a system for that offensively. Now, defensively, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – oof, oof. That, it might be a long year for them on that side of the ball. Well, Wojo might have to, you know, use his, have to use his brain a little bit because now he doesn't have that one guard that he can just be like, all right, Marcus, go play. Or like, all right, Andrew Rousey, <laughs> go play. <laughs> Put the ball in. We need a bucket here. Or like Matt Carlino a few years ago. Just doesn't have that one-two go-to guard that can just take over. Yeah, he doesn't have that safety blanket anymore. Kind of ripped it away from him. I guess now we'll actually see him as like a real, real coach. We can't we can't just just defer to one player. I'm not saying he's not a real coach, but you know what I mean by that. Oh, I know so, what you mean. I mean, yeah. there. If you go on Marquette Twitter, though, I know there's a lot of people who want his head on a silver right. platter. And 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 look, I I get it. I I still feel like he's not a horrible coach. But like the the thing with him and, and Marquette the past few years is they always fade down the stretch like really badly. We always joked that, like, oh, they sold their soul to beat Villanova each year, and then they'll <laughs> lose, like, seven of seven in a row. But it's true. Like, last year, they lost six of seven. They lost to DePaul and St. John's in that stretch to end the year. Yep. And their signature win was against Villanova <laughs> the entire year. So, 
you can't keep doing that. They yeah. they like lose they, they lose momentum, and I don't know. Maybe it's Wojo's system tiring everybody out. I I've so, no. seen that's a thing. No, I think it's Jermaine Samuels absolutely broke them with his breakout game. Also true. Also true. <laughs> absolutely broke Great them. Point. Remember a couple of years ago when they had the they were in the driver's seat for the Big East regular season title, and yep. then they they just didn't want it. They just no, they they did not. They let Jermaine Samuels uh, call make them their daddy. So yeah, it's uh. It's a constant theme with them. Who knows what happens this year with a completely revamped roster, I would say. I mean, you do have the familiar characters, as I mentioned before, but no Marcus Howard, it's no Sakari Anum. That's two huge pieces over the past four years that you're just completely missing. Yep. And with that said, uh, Chris, for me, I think it's book it as a sweet. Pencil it in as a sweet for Nova. <sighs> yeah. Um, again, no fans. But I'm still tempted to pick Marquette At and Pfizer. Pfizer. Yeah. I'll go with a split here. All right. There you have it. The first split from Chris. Yeah. Marquette. Now let's move on to everybody's favorite. And by everybody's favorite, I mean <laughs> only when we beat them. <laughs> and then occasionally – or, sorry, only when we beat them, but then you can admire them from afar when they're not playing Nova. Like, for example, when Miles Powell beat Kentucky. That was pretty cool. That yeah. was pretty nice. Or when he had a crazy 38-point game against Michigan State. And, you know, they had they they drummed up the optics and the drama of, like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Comes out last second into the game just before <laughs> tip-off, building up the narratives. But, no, in all seriousness, I mean, Seton Hall has become a thorn in Villanova's side. We debate – well, I, I don't think it's much of a debate anymore, but I think it's – we can call it a rivalry now, our Big East rival. It, it has officially reached that point. A few years ago, mm-hmm. I, I remember it was like a soft spot for people to call it that. But just given the postseason and given the tight battles we've had or the important games we've had, it just seems like we can call this rivalry, especially, especially since Seton Hall fans hate us so much. So yeah. Much. Yeah, we live in their heads rent-free. Rent-free. It's pretty, it, it's rent pretty free. funny. And look, we're the ones talking about them now, so you could point your finger at us and be like, you're talking about them. And like, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, because it's their turn. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we got a we got process here. It's their turn that's next. After that. Fair point. And, and you know what the funny thing is, too? Like, if COVID didn't hit, you probably get another classic Nova. Season. I know. I'm so ready for that, especially or you know between them, Creighton and Nova, just having that three-way tie. That's not satisfying. We needed a definite oh, ending in the yeah, tournament. We did, did. Couldn't just hold it out for like one more week. So what about the Seton Hall squad, Eugene? Well, they finished 21-9 last year. As we said before, they were tied with us. A little three-way split for that regular season title. Haven't seen anything like that in a while. You know, just losing to Nova and Creighton in the final week is kind of blew that game because I think they had it in the bag or at least the outright title in the bag, right? All they had to do was win one of those two. They didn't. And they did not. Shame, really. Now, just like Mark well, – I was going to say just like Marcus Howard University. <laughs> just like Marquette. <laughs> it, it, honestly, it probably holds the same. It, come back in 10 years when they dedicate the court to him. Just like Marquette, Seton Hall lost a big-time star in Miles Powell, and we know everything about him. We've seen him play, you know, coming in as a freshman, making solid impact. But then once the other guys left and he became the star, he truly became a star. Chris, I know you were a little shocked to find out his shooting numbers and his shooting efficiency was not what you, you know, it didn't match up with like the, you know, it's one of those things where it was like you you take out the rose colored glasses and it's like, oh, wow, this is a completely different experience. 
yeah, you kind of peel back the layers of the onion and you find out that Miles Powell only shot 30.6% from deep. That is not good. Yeah, his shooting numbers definitely took a hit last year, but it was one of those things that you definitely didn't notice because once he went hot, that was it. It was just unstoppable. Yeah, for sure. To see that from such a star is kind of kind of weird, but he's still really good. So Yeah, I was going to say, I would love to see the splits for like the last five minutes. I mean, that's definitely like an ESPN type of stat, but that guy could close. That guy's a closer. Yeah. Unless it's the last uh, couple seconds in the 2019 Big East Championship. Oh, boy, 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 oh, boy. He missed. Phil Booth right up in his grill. Great job. So, Chris, besides Miles Powell, I was a big fan of his, by the way. I know you were. I know. It annoyed you. No, not really. Okay. All right, maybe a little. Besides the guy I secretly like from Seed Hall, who else? <laughs> you know, what's the story? What's the roster looking like now? So, they did lose two other guys, and both were – pretty good players and both were pretty good players against Villanova. Quincy McKnight was a transfer. He came in a couple of years ago, played pretty well for Seton Hall, took over that point guard role and was uh, fantastic, but he's gone now. And human bamboo tree, Romaro Gill, who literally would just have to stick his hand up and you would be defended at the rim or grab a rebound. He was a pretty impressive player because of his height. And he also had the talent to back it up, but they're both gone. And then also Anthony Nelson transferred out and he's now at Manhattan, but the uh, returning players for Seton Hall, Miles Kale, who I call a perennial enigma because every time we preview Seton Hall, and please, if you've heard this before, you can laugh at me, it's fine. But we always said that, like, oh, this guy's going to be right up there with Miles Powell, or at least like Batman and Robin type thing. And it just hasn't come to be. He averaged six points per game last year. If he can take that next step, maybe he can get into double-digit scoring. I mean, he's kind of kind of has to now, but he just hasn't been able to do so. But he still has a lot of talent, and he can definitely do it. And the big one returning is Sandro Mamu Kalashvili. 12 points per game last year, six boards per game. He destroyed Nova in both games last year, specifically the one at Nova where Seton Hall won for the first time since I believe the year of our birth, Eugene. So that's, uh, he's, he is a damn good player. He could do it all. And there's been a lot of chatter in the Seton Hall universe about how he's kind of reformed himself in basketball wise, body wise, and, how he's looking to really become like a Big East player of the oh, year type team. Uh, yeah, I was going to say a lot of chatter. They're, they're shocked that he's not in the All-American discussion from what I've seen <laughs> during the preseason. Seton Hall fans overrating their own players can't be. No, no, never. I will say, though, about Mamu, as everyone affectionately calls him, do you remember when Powell was in foul trouble and then we thought, oh, great, we can now pull away or Nova will now take over. And then Mamu just completely stepped it up and mm-hmm. just kept us at bay. That sucked. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that sucked. He, he was the reason why they won that game. Yep. Because there's no way a Seton Hall team with Mamu out, Powell out, would have won that. No way. No, no. They do have a new guard, though, that looks like I think he'll be able to make an immediate impact, maybe replace Quincy McKnight and mm-hmm. Bryce Aiken from Harvard. He was pretty good over there. I want to say he was a part of that top 100 Remember that class? I, I want to say it was maybe in 2017 when they just had all these all this top 100 talent. It was like, oh wow, Harvard is now pulling four star, five star guys. <laughs> What's going yes. on? Yes, one of the few things I remember from recruiting in the past few years is that it was because it was just such a shock. It's like, granted, they were like maybe in like 90s to 100 range, but still, just to see four guys going hard and, and that high up, it was like, oh, something must be going on there. Oh, did but, they, did they, yeah, it was like, did they relax the SATs? Uh, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> hey, it worked, though. Harvard was pretty good the past few years. But 
they had to get out of Dodge because I think they I think a lot of those players knew that they'd be canceling again. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely some uncertainty, but also you know in Bryce Aiken's case, you want to. You know, you, you got your degree from Harvard, but you want to get a chance to contend or, you know, do something bigger, see what you're worth on a bigger league, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you average over 20 points per game over at Harvard. I can definitely see him making an immediate impact. He's one of the guys that they've been hyped about, but he's no Miles Powell. Maybe he'll turn into something close. We'll see, but it looks like Mamu Kalashvili will be the center, the cornerstone of this team, which is very interesting, but if... You know, the Sheen Hall fans are right. The the people with the binoculars looking into the gyms are right. I don't know. If he if he's really bound for that leap and he takes that leap, then I guess this team's still a problem. But right now, Chris, how do you think that this season series will shape up? Tough to call. I, I just don't know who's going to hit the big shot for, for Seton Hall. Like, who's going to knock him down? Is Miles Kale going to step up? Are they going to really rely on Mamu to do everything? Is Bryce Aiken going to come in and insert himself in effortlessly? Will he take over that pal role and hit those big shots? I, I could see it. I just don't know if it happens. And that uncertainty, you know what? Give Villanova a sweep. Give him a sweep. It's very interesting because I don't know why. I feel like I'm more inclined to say split this time, even though they don't have Miles Powell. I don't know. I could just see it where they just muck up a game, becomes a huge grind fest. One of those where it just goes either way. Definitely not at Villanova. <laughs> if the Sheen Hall-Villanova game is happening at Villanova, I think Villanova wins. I know last year was a little different, mm-hmm. but – I feel confident at home, on the road. I don't know. You know how it is. Whether national championship, or the Super Bowl, World Series, Olympics, combined all into one. So I can see them, you know, giving us run for our money one game. Maybe they catch us sleeping one time. I think I'll go. I think I'll go split. I think I'll go split. I don't know. If I, I'm looking at this list right now, and I, I just might say sweep, 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 and I'll sound like an idiot when I go, oh, wow, did I really just say we're undefeated? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got you got to throw in some losses. I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, there's going to be a loss on a random night. But, see, that's the thing, though. I feel like if there was, a, like, a random loss, it wouldn't happen to Seton Hall just because we'd be ready for it. Like, right. you, you get you get caught sleeping by, like, a butler or a Xavier on the road. Exactly. I don't know. Weird year. So. Weird year. Weird year. Weird year because, I mean, for the first time since – well, I was going to say since Nam, but it actually hasn't been that long ago. It feels like a long time <laughs> ago. But UConn is back in the Big East. What is that, since 2013, 2012-13 season? That was the last time? Yeah, freshman year of college, I believe. Yep, and then sophomore year happened, and then uh, – oh, well, we don't know how that year ended. Uh, UConn's back in the Big East, 19-12 and 12 last year. But it was interesting because – I remember we went into that game against UConn thinking that it was going to be a very comfortable win, and it was everything but comfortable. Oh, they really yeah. pushed us to the brink there. They they really did. That game was just, like, out of nowhere, like, bad. And that, that had us, like, questioning the team as a whole. We're like, is this team really good? Are we sure about this? <laughs> it's like, or is UConn this good? Or did we just, like, get completely caught with our pants down? Like, what, what the heck happened? And if it wasn't for some late-game heroics, I believe, because I think I, – I don't remember the exact – flow of the game but I do remember Villanova being down for a good chunk or at least close to it and uh, it wasn't for some late game heroics Villanova doesn't win that game obviously but it, it was a complete 180 from the past two matchups and you had the one two years ago at UConn which was an utter beatdown and then you had the one at MSG which ended up being an utter beatdown thanks to the heroics of Jamal Quinterly <laughs> never forget so yeah that it kind of came out of nowhere but uh, hey glad to have him back though I will say that yeah, as we talked with Chris Lane, I just don't see how you can't be excited to have them back. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to have them back. 
not so fun if you're a women's basketball team, though. I will say that's that's tough. But on the men's basketball side, to have a power, well, actually, both sides, men's and women's, you know, so to have a big brand, that's that's great to have for the conference. The Chris's team, what can we expect from them? Who are some guys we should watch out for? Yeah, I think the main guy to look out for is James Booknight. Average 13 points per game, four rebounds a game. He's a sophomore guard, and he played extremely well as a freshman last year, as, kind of as that Robin to Christian Vital's Batman. And Vital is, has graduated, so it should be Book Knight's team from here on out. Also, Tyler Poley, senior forward, was another important piece last year. He only played 15 games, but he uh, put up some solid stats in those 15 games, and he should be back with a vengeance. I believe it was an injury that held him out. So I think he'll be uh, ready to go. Just from having UConn back in the Big East, we immediately saw the impact on the recruiting end. They picked up three incoming freshmen, all four-star guys. Shortly after the news was announced, they got Andre Jackson from Albany, New York, Javante Brown, Ferguson, big man from Canada, and then another big man from Adama Sinogo. I don't believe he's related to Ish Sinogo from Seton Hall from a couple years ago. And they also brought in Coach's son, Drew Hurley, coming in as a walk-on. It's one of those things, Chris, where mm. UConn is definitely going to be tough in a couple of years. Just give them a couple of years. It really looks like they've been making some progress under Hurley. This year, though, I think Nova should win. It's going to, They're definitely going to be close, but I think it's going to be win. I think Nova should win. I think we get a split. Going back to what's the, what's the name of UConn's arena again? Which one? Gamble uh, oh, Pavilion is it or Ex- uh, Excel? the XL Center? Yeah, the XL, XL Center is a bigger one. Yeah. Yeah. Dump. I, I, Dump. <laughs> I don't know if that game will be played there or not, but if it is, I'm going to have like PTSD flashbacks just from like the, the mid aught battles that Villanova to have against them there. And uh, those were not fun. I know they, I know Scotty Reynolds had his like big breakout game there his freshman year, but still I never liked playing there. It's ugly looking place. And I think that's going to affect the team clearly. <laughs> my PTSD is going to affect that team. No, I, I, I think UConn's a solid team, and they're going to play well, and they're going to want to show that they can hang with in the Big East, and they're going to probably give Villanova all they can handle. They almost beat Villanova at Villanova last year, as we mentioned earlier. I think they're going to actually pull one out. So I say Villanova wins at home, UConn wins at their home. Oof. I think they're going to be close games, but I think Villanova should sweep them. I will say, though, okay. Hurley's moving in the right direction, it looks like, and – in a couple of years, this team's going to be back to being a problem. But they should definitely yeah. be in that top five Big East conversation for sure. For sure. I agree. So you're only sitting at one loss now, Eugene. Huh? Oh, well, when we get to the top, towards the top of the ladder, we'll start to see a couple more. We'll start to see a couple oh, more. Well, we got two more teams. That's it. So you better yeah. make them up. <laughs> oh, trust me. First of all, this next one, Providence, I don't even, yeah. I don't even care whose back split it. Split it. The Dunkin' Donuts Center, that's where ranked teams go to die corner, Doug Gottlieb. But I think that it's going to be – this team, they could literally – it's another one of those where they could literally have anybody. And Ed Cooley will coach them up to the point where they're just a pain on our side. They certainly will. And Providence is kind of the reverse Marquette <laughs> in the sense that they usually start off slow, but then they always come back with a vengeance in the second half of the year. So they finished 12-6 yeah. in the conference last year, 19-12 overall. They ended on a six-game win streak to end the year. They beat Seton Hall, Marquette, and Nova all within that time frame. Uh, remember that game at Nova was an absolutely abysmal game to watch with the eyes. And even worse, too, to listen on the radio, as I did. It, it was brutal. 
And if you want to extend it even farther back, in their last 10 games of the year, Providence went 8-2, and two, and that includes wins over Creighton and at Butler. So they went on an absolute tear last year to rise up through the ranks. And, you know, that's Ed Cooley for you, man. Even when yeah. you think they're down, they're not. Exactly. They're one of those teams that when they hit that switch in the second half of Big East play or late in the year, that's a team you don't want to be in the way of, as we saw as part of that buzzsaw that they – that buzzsaw streak they went on, and impressive ones there. You mentioned Seton Hall, Marquette, Nova, and then they even beat Creighton, and then they won at Butler. That's just like a, a typical Ed Cooley team. You know, rough in the beginning, you think, oh, okay, this team's not that good, or, oh, they, they don't know how to replace so-and-so from the year before. And then all of a sudden, a couple guards step up or a couple big men step up, and then it's like, oh, wow, they are – oh, oh, that streak is how – three? Oh, six? <laughs> Oh, they're going into the Big East tournament with tons of momentum, and oh, they're on our side of the bracket. Oh no! Oh, avoid oh, at no. all costs, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they uh, they're always a pain in the butt. Chris Lane said are the best. Like they they they're awful in a good way, though. In a good way. Yeah, they they are like when I think of a tough team, they play tough. Yeah, they play tough. Yeah, it's not the do. sexiest, and it's not like the flashiest, but they can they can grind it out. Yeah, you see that term in the NFL a lot: winning ugly. Yeah, that is that is Providence. They win ugly. I will say though, Alpha Diallo, who I felt like we've been saying his name since our college days, is no longer on the roster. No, the eternal senior has finally graduated. Walked out with his master's and PhD. Yeah, so who glad, is left, Chris? Glad he's gone on on the on court aspect. A lot less to worry about for Villanova. Also gone is Luane Pipkins, who, if we remember correctly, dropped 25 points against Villanova at Villanova, which was completely out of nowhere. And he went four of eight from deep. The dude shot like borderline 30% from deep, and he went four of eight in that game, and that was pretty much uh, the difference in that one, amongst various other things, but that was a, a key contributor. But, you know, despite losing those two, Ed Cooley still has plenty to work with. Probably the big name returning is David Duke. 12 points per game, three assists per game, and he can definitely shoot the ball. Junior guard is a big-time recruit coming out of high school. He has made strides, especially since his freshman year. He kind of – him and A.J. Reeves, who I'll also highlight, they were both kind of like treading water a bit in their freshman year. And then David Duke really took on last year. Reeves, not so much, but, you know, still two solid players – two solid guards that, you know, continue that line of guard play in Providence that we just see in year in, year out. It's kind of like Alabama running backs in that sense. I mean, we had got the Providence guards that we've had over the years, Bryce Cotton to Kamar Cartwright. And I'm sure I'm missing another one or Chris two. Don, in there. Chris Don, Chris, Chris Don. Chris Don, yes. The big, probably the biggest one out of all of them I'm missing. Thank you. <laughs> you had all, all those guys back to back to back. Now, am I saying these guys are along those lines? Not yet, but they certainly have the opportunity to go there. And uh, also senior center Nate Watson, who I feel like every time we preview Providence, we say, please cover him or please do something. It's as we yeah. kind of mentioned earlier with uh, with Butler, with Bryce Enzi. He had a big time game against Nova last year at the dunk where he posted eight points and nine boards. So watch out for those three this year. Yeah, that guy is a glass eater. He's a big boy, Nate Watson. I think he's about close to seven feet tall. But, he, you know, ever since his freshman year, he stood out as a guy that can come in there definitely fill that gap in the middle, score you some points, and definitely get you some boards. Duke and Reeves, you know, they're, they're two guys that were highly touted coming in, especially Duke. I remember he was projected as the preseason Big East freshman of the year, along with Javon Quinterly. And they both kind of took 
similar disappointing. I don't want to say disappointing, but they just didn't come out of the gate hot. And then Duke was definitely a little more comfortable in his sophomore year last year. But now year three, Ed Cooley is expecting big things from him. A.J. Reeves, he was hot out of the gate, but then he had that foot injury his freshman year. Came back as a sophomore, not as good as you, you know, not as hot as he would have liked, but he was definitely solid. And, you know, just same deal with Duke. Year three should be pretty solid. With Watson, they do have a solid trio there. And this is going to be a tough team, heavy on the defensive side. Grinders, just a bunch of grinders. Chris, I'm not shocked to see Providence this high. This is actually right around where I envisioned them, third or fourth. I will say I am not looking forward to that meeting in the dunk. I do think that this is going to be a split as I let off with this Providence breakdown preview. I'm going to go with the reverse split. Oh, you think we we went there and and they went at home? (laughs) Yeah, it's got to happen somewhere. I'm picking this one, picking this matchup. I mean, Providence is too good to not win one, I would feel like. But then again, so is Oklahoma's a fantastic team this year. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're not. But I think Providence does pull out one against the Cats here. Yeah, they, they don't really have too strong of like an incoming class or too strong of incoming freshmen. So it's definitely going to be mostly on its veterans and its returning guys, which they do have a pretty solid core of. It'll be interesting to see how they do, but don't be shocked if they start out slow and then midway through the year, they decide to be, uh, I don't know, war machines. We are now at the last team at the top of the ladder, a step below Villanova, according to the Big East preseason coaches poll, Creighton. Now, Chris Creighton, you know, they're a team that was always fun to watch because they always had the offensive firepower. But then last year was one of those things where I was like, oh, they learned how to play defense. And then, <laughs> the, then it was like the, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. It's, it's everything that Marquette wanted to be, but couldn't. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was like, all right, you guys can shoot with the best of them. You have a bunch of sharpshooters. You have these athletic guys. And there was just one defense away from being elite. And now it, all of a sudden, they started locking down on that side. It was just not easy anymore. Chris, the Crane Blue Jays, Greg McDermott, Marcus Zagorowski, Word Cloud. Who are some guys we should watch out for? And how does this team look this year? The expectations are very, very, very high for them this year. They certainly are, and the pollsters seem to agree. They're currently sitting at number 11 right now in the AP, uh, number 14 in Kempom. Again, still not sure how Kempom comes out with these numbers, but they're number 14 there. Some returning players, as you mentioned earlier, Marcus Zagorowski, junior guard, 16.1 points per game, can shoot the lights out. Senior Mitch Ballack, about 12 points per game, can shoot the lights out. Uh, between those two guys, they're going to knock down threes like it's the Doug McDermott days Uh, maybe not as high as a clip but it's certainly up there you also have Denzel Mahoney who was a transfer in from last year he destroyed Nova in their win over the Cats last year he dropped 21 points and I believe he missed the first game because he wasn't eligible yet yeah made it for the second game (laughs) we're like oh we'll just throw him in as a possible yeah watch out for this guy and uh classic SNN fashion we overlook him and therefore he drops 21 and was a problem on the boards as well. He was lights out. And he it wasn't just that. He played solid across the rest of the season for them. You also have senior Damian Jefferson forward, uh, nine, nine and a half points per game. Led the team in rebounding with five and a half. He was transferring from New Mexico a few years ago as well. So he's... It, So between those four, that's a pretty solid four right there. And also, I I don't know, I haven't really seen much, but from all reports, it looks like this guy should be back. And that's Jacob Epperson. He was a center from Australia, 
played in the game, played two years ago before he suffered a broken leg last year, and he had an absolute field day against Nova in their win. So if he's back, he can continue to provide some problems. But, you know, those four I mentioned earlier, those that should be enough. Yeah, Denzel Mahoney. Wow, I remember that guy. We were like, oh, I guess this guy, you know, he seems like he could be a problem. But then after I, – I just – I vividly remember watching that game where they just dismantled Nova at home and just thinking, who is this guy? It was like, Chris, did we talk – are we sure we talked about him? I don't really remember talking about this guy. Where did he come from? And the even the first – Villanova Crane game was so much fun at Omaha. Villanova was trailing for most of the game, pulled off a, a great comeback at the end. Unfortunately, it didn't happen the second time around. This team is just a lot of fun. Very, very high-paced offense. I just don't know what it's going to look like with Tyshawn Alexander gone. They do still have Zegarowski, who we know is a killer. Definite scorer, shooter, whatever you want to call him. He, that guy can get you buckets. And then even the rest of the team is looking pretty nice. Unfortunately, they had some bad luck with some of their freshmen. They have two freshmen within, I believe, a two-week span tear ACLs. Ooh. Yeah, not not Ouch. fun. Not fun. But even with that, they should still be good. Oh, and they got that transfer, too, from Duke. Can't forget him. Alex O'Connell, which I want to say he's eligible right away. I don't know. Like we said, the NCAA is just handing out waivers. So don't be surprised if he's <laughs> eligible. Chris, how do you think this series will shape up? I definitely have it as a split. And I think – I don't think it's going to be a reverse play. Actually, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the arenas are empty. I think it'll be a split. Fair point. Uh, yeah, I think it's a split here as well. Yeah, this this team, man. Oh, Creighton. Creighton, Creighton, Creighton. Yeah. They can always shoot. It's, it's been a given. I mean, I will say, though, I, and we didn't even talk about it, t- losing Tyshawn Alexander is a pretty big deal. That's a very I mean, he, big deal. Very big deal, and he really clicked last year. I mean, he played well as a freshman, but then his sophomore year he, like, took off, and then he really locked down on the defensive end last year. He was super fun to watch, like, just both sides of the court. But he left for the NBA. So, I mean, is it going to – I don't know if it's going to – it's going to definitely affect them. They'll still be in the mix of it. They'll still be up near the leaderboards in the Big East for pretty much everything. So – they would probably, honestly, like if they did have Tyshawn, like oh, that this team would be dangerous, dangerous, super dangerous. But if Balak and Zegarowski continue to shoot the way they they're supposed to, I don't know if they'll usurp Villanova, but it'll it'll come damn close. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna give the Wildcats a run for their money, for sure. So, Chris, we now at the end, and is there any decisions you want to change? Any? You know, and he, this is your chance now to, you know, use your eraser and pencil in a different answer if you'd like. No, I, I feel I feel pretty comfortable. So I got split with Creighton, split with Providence, split with UConn, split with Marquette. So that's five losses, which is the exact amount was last year. Probably a little bit high in the loss column, but seems seems pretty fair, I'd say. Yeah, I have three losses, Seton Hall, Providence, and Creighton. I think I'm going to lock it in. I think I'm going to lock it in. Um, I'm going to lock mine in as well. So, so if we look back even to the non-con portion, I know I had one lot, one loss from that. I think I said that they were going to lose to Virginia. So Mm -hmm. I have four losses in total. So 23 and four, pretty good. Pretty good. So I, I know I had them losing to Baylor, assuming they do play Baylor. 
And then I think I had them losing at Texas. And I think that's it. So seven losses total, which does seem like a lot. <laughs> 20 and seven. 20 and seven. Is that, that, that seems like a lot. Maybe take away the Texas one. So, eh, 21 and six. We'll see. All right. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Early returns say no matter what, this team should be pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm overshooting it this year because we always seem, I always feel like we undershoot it big time. I'm pretty sure one we one year we ran through and we're like, yeah, they have like two losses total. <laughs> and we're just like, that's not happening. <laughs> so I think I'm overcorrecting in the other direction, but hopefully it will be pleasantly surprised. I remember one time we did one of these preview shows and I think we went through the whole thing and I was like, all right, sure. If my math is correct, uh, I think I have them only losing once. Oh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> Time to redo the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, like you see the schedule, like yeah, that's definitely a win. That's definitely a win. And then you you look back and it's like, oh, no, never mind. Like last year, like they lost back to back home games against Creighton and Seton Hall. And like beginning of the year, we would have never had expected that. That's why they play the games in June. Well, hopefully, hopefully, the hopefully yeah, I was gonna say hopefully we can play all the games. So I was, I was gonna say <laughs> yes. And, I, I know these numbers aren't looking too hot across the country, but a man can only hope. I hope so, Eugene. So, uh, any questions today? We have a mailbag or no? No, unfortunately, we have to skip it. I I got to hop on Zoom to talk to Rickles, Rick Pitino from Iona, and then we got a little conference. We're breaking in some new view hoop writers, some new view hoopsters, uh, with another conference call with Jay. So be on the lookout for some content later today. Not I own a content. That doesn't make sense. That's for my other job. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. We'll definitely get questions next time. I apologize. This meeting, well, both these meetings kind of sprung up late last night. So just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation on Apple Podcasts iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, Podbean, whatever you want, your favorite podcast platform, please follow, subscribe, rate us five star, five star, five star, five stars. Definitely helps us out, and the mothership keeps them happy. Please check back at viewhoops.com. Check back, check off, and we are just chugging away on our preseason content, rolling along. The season is less than one week away, Wednesday, counting down. What is that, Chris, six days away? Six yes. days? Yes. We're going to have a lot to be thankful for once basketball is up and running. And please follow View Hoops on social media at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. I got nothing to promote. Just stay safe, everybody. Awesome sauce. Congrats once again to Sadiq Bay. Let's go, Cats. And we'll be back at it next week. Enjoy the weekend. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. 
So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.